Black Porch Podcast. I'm Corey Dempsey. And I'm Andrew Beam. We're back on a Friday with a little mini episode. So we are about four beers deep at this point, and we just watched Mank, our first viewing. Uh, we sat down with our good friend Joe Donlin to watch that film. Joey, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course, man. And so we're just going to record this little mini episode uh, with some reactions to Mank and what we thought of David Fincher's newest film. Overall, I thought this film, I really enjoyed it. I was actually completely engrossed in the story of of, of just kind of watching Herman uh, Mank just sort of, or Mankiewicz just sort of, you know, one, get to the point of writing the story, going through his process, and then kind of doing flashbacks of like sort of where, it, you know, how he got to that point of ever writing that film in the first place and just sort of what his history was throughout it and knowing what his process was and seeing the pushback that it was that that was coming after him. Yeah, for sure. I, I really like the the flashback structure of it in in a couple ways. I think the first way is that it's reminiscent of Citizen Kane, um, the movie that is being written. So the structure of telling the story that way was a was a good choice, and I, I really enjoyed that. I also think going back to those flashback scenes and showing Mank's motivation for why he wants to write this picture, I think that was also a really effective choice in, in showing kind of an unreliable narrator's view of the events, but it's still, you know, his version and it led to, uh, it led to the movie that he eventually wrote. Well, I mean, you know, unreliable narrator, which is sort of, again, I guess, kind of a hallmark of, of Fincher in general, For sure. um, which this movie of course contained just sort of a lot of the different angles that he uses really always making sure that sort of the character themselves were really that main focal point um, and just sort of following them, the waist level shots that you're going to see. And I don't know how you feel about this. Like, I, I, you know, obviously I just seen Citizen Kane today. And the one thing that I remarked about it was how oddly modern it seemed for something that came out of the 40s. The way that it's shot, even the way that it's written too, that script in general I thought was just oddly it's still timely like yeah it doesn't it it ages incredibly well for sure for sure and you know one of the things that i saw in citizen kane in this most recent viewing was how how reminiscent the charles foster kane character was of donald trump so you know to write (laughs) this character in the 1940s and these things are still happening. <laughs> these people still exist. These people are in power. So in that way, it does explore something that is timeless. Uh, Citizen Kane does. And then this movie coming out now, I think is a very timely time for it to be coming out because you have the Hearst character, which, you know, is spreading propaganda and fake news, which is, <laughs> which is something obviously is, you know, a timeless, a time, a time old tradition, I think of at least, well, really any yeah, for sure. any country really at this stage. But so kind of getting though to just sort of the way Fincher shot it. So while it did have sort of those signature Fincher stamps on it, it also like sometimes was um, sort of difficult to distinguish for me at least. Sometimes I thought it almost sort of mirrored the way uh, Citizen Kane was shot in, in some aspects. For sure. And I, I think that was 
definitely a purposeful choice. Yeah, and, obviously you know, intentional. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about Fincher being, you know, a perfectionist and he obviously went through great lengths to make a film that felt like it was made in the 30s and 40s and to reflect that period and you know, the one thing that I saw that really kind of stood out to me was you know, the cigarette burns, the old school. Um, I know. Yeah. When we were right going corner, to when, different when scenes, a scene would change. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Uh, the other thing that I liked that he was doing that definitely was reminiscent of like those old movies. My dad watches old movies all the time. So uh, I'll sit there and watch them with him. It's when the scene fades out. It's when somebody says yeah. something and the scene just, just goes black and then the black comes to light again. And he was using that a lot. I thought that was pretty cool. That was a those neat scene transition. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And, you know, Joey, you know, I don't think you, I don't think you liked it as much as we did. So <laughs> I don't know if you share our opinion. <laughs> so, you know, where, where were you at with it? What, what was your reaction to it initially? So I'll preface it with, I've never seen Citizen Kane. Uh, so maybe if I had, I would get something more out of it. Maybe if I watch Citizen Kane now, I'll get something more out of Citizen Kane. Um, what, what I'll say about it is, it's kind of similar beam to what you were saying about uh, the social network in the last pod. I, I just think that it's a story that I don't necessarily care about all that much if I haven't really seen the, the source material. And to that extent, it's not very interesting of a story. And it was, you know, honestly, kind of slow paced. I would say that it, it was a lot of dialogue, very well written dialogue, but a lot of dialogue. And, um, I think that kind of hindered it for me that it just kind of dragged out. And especially the the fact that after he wrote it, there was still about like an hour of movie left. And I was like, Oh, okay. I thought it was kind of more about him just writing it. I didn't know that it was, there was so much more that they were going to go into, which honestly, I didn't feel like they went into all that much more. It just kind of was the same thing, but continuing on. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that kind of, that, that kind of made it a little bit, of more of just like, this was okay. I'm going to watch it once. I, I definitely enjoyed it on a first watch, but I don't think I'm ever going to revisit it. Even after I watch this again, I'm probably not going to revisit it. I just think it's a little too slow paced and just not a very interesting story overall. Yeah, I, I don't know. In terms of revisiting, I, I actually don't, I haven't even thought about that yet. But um, no, I think the only reason why I mentioned just the idea of, or just having to you know having seen citizen kane before this and in terms of the impact it had for me and it's probably because i literally just watched them back to back with i think maybe less than two hours in between but for me i i was i was sort of very engrossed in the idea or just very much wanted to see just sort of how it played out what was the evolution of that film because of how fascinated i was by citizen kane and just everything that I said sort of before, just how well written it was and how well shot it was, I was very curious as the this man behind him. And and sort of also too, and 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 just sort of reading interviews, other stories that have been written about Fincher and, and why he was bringing this movie to light, you know, another sort of situation of just being like, you know, Netflix being like, what do you want to make? Same situation for these guys. What do you want to make? Um, those parallels, I think, are very fascinating, too, which those are the unintentional ones, I think, are sort of kind of interesting, or at least that's an unintentional one, I think, is sort of interesting, too. Yeah, that one's more of just a coincidence, but I do think it it plays an, an interesting role in how the film 
plays and how you how you receive it when, and the when freedom you know that you have when you're doing that too sure. and so and so for me for a film that as fascinated i was in knowing sort of the backstory of just like his dad writing it and sort of what david fincher's sort of uh take on his dad's first draft was and how it sort of portrayed uh the characters in it and how it evolved I think I was sort of fascinated to see how it play out. And just, I thought the performances, at least from Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, and I mean, really all of them, um, pretty much everyone in this film was, was, was really well casted that I was, I, it, I was that more interested. I was that more sort of, it pulled me in that much more. That was for me at least. So let me, I guess, just kind of ask both of you guys something. Mm-hmm. If this had just come out like randomly, you had no idea who directed it who was in it you just kind of put it on on netflix do you feel like you would like it as much as you do knowing like with all the build-up that you had going into it i don't think so um no i don't think so either but i think with a film like this context is very important and you know i i'm reminded of once upon a time in hollywood and i i sat down with uh my brother's girlfriend and we were talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and she was remarking on how she really didn't think it was very good, and I was surprised by that. But it turned out she had no idea the backstory of the film, and she had no idea that Sharon Tate was murdered by Charles Manson, and all that context of that film that makes it so great, in my opinion, was kind of lost on her. And so it makes sense that then some of the nuances and things that are happening in once upon a time in Hollywood get lost on the viewer. So I think in this case, it's another case of where that context of citizen Kane and of Herman Mankiewicz and all the things involved with that. I think it's really important to understanding the movie um, and getting the most out of it. Like you said, you, you maybe just didn't get as much out of it because you hadn't seen it. So do you think though, that that, that it does have that in. Do you really think with this film in particular with Mank, that context is very important? I think so because. Or plays a part in sort of how you viewed it. I think for sure, because when I think about Citizen Kane and I think about how that movie played out, there's a lot of parallels with Citizen Kane in this. And so those parallels that I'm able to draw between the two films enhanced my own viewing experience in this case. So that made it a little bit more interesting. I, I, Joey, I think your, your critique of it was pretty on point. And I think that I get it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I was able to stay engrossed in the story because I was constantly looking for those things to kind of tie the two together and see how they fit. Um, which enabled me to stay involved in it, even when it was dragging. Cause you know, the one thing I will say is this wasn't David Fincher's most propulsive work. A lot of his films have a very, very suspenseful, very intense. driving, intense quality to it. And this was, this was not that at all. Um, it was, I thought it was like, it's a really, for me. Okay. You know, it's, it was a really slow burn for sure because I was like, you know, you didn't have maybe the anxiety you might have with other Fincher films and how, like, the story could kind of go all over the place or, like, sort of the... Well, actually, yeah, the other thing, too, like, the big reveal. What was seriously the big reveal in this film? 
was one. Yeah, I and I think there was one. and I think that's also very interesting. Um, no, it's a, it's a very different film for him. Um, no less good. I mean, I think when you look at Fincher and his work, what stands out is how he, apart from Alien Three, is his vision always <laughs> comes to life on the screen. And you know, Alien Three, the bane of <laughs> all of our existences, I guess. But when you look at this, like, I think he achieved exactly what he's going for. I, I yeah. absolutely get Joey's critique that it was a bit slow and not particularly engrossing. I, I I, don't disagree with that. But when you're just looking at what Fincher was trying to accomplish, I think he did it and did it quite well. Well, again, that I think the social network probably applies there. That's my <laughs> argument with that. Sorry. Yeah. Well, the other thing that I did want to bring up is just like the cinematography in general. I think the black and white was an interesting approach i do think that you know he tried to add a lot of depth to it i want to say and this might be an unpopular opinion it was too much uh too much darkness to the point where uh some of the characters you didn't immediately recognize who they were like they would be on the screen it you know one second and then come back later and i would be like oh is that a new person or is yeah and then i'd be like oh wait no that's you know xyz character so it's interesting that you bring that part up because in citizen so in citizen kane that's sort of the deal with the all the reporters in that film the main reporter that's going around you know his name he gets referenced a lot everyone calls it mr thompson every you know everyone calls him by name throughout it i think you only see maybe just an outline of his face you never really fully see his face it's always darkened I did make the joke. I'm like, well, no, you know what? Even in a black and white movie, Fincher still made it look dark. Because I, I said that during the film, uh, d- during uh, during Mank. But in Citizen Kane, though, it's I then thought about it more, and I didn't want to talk because I thought Corey gave me a look like, why are you fucking talking during the movie? <laughs> but um, but uh, uh, in Citizen Kane, it it, it had a, it a similar tone, like the color was similar in that, but the people who he wanted you to see were well lit. And I think that that happened here. Like, I almost feel like, um, Menkwitz's face was almost lit up to obscurity, uh, obscurity sort of in some ways. And it, it reminds me of something else that kind of, I thought about during the movie was a lot of the Hollywood characters, not, not Hearst and Mayer. They were very distinct, but all, a lot of the kind of, in their 30s the underneath ones they all looked very similar dude i couldn't tell them apart exactly and i think that was purposeful (laughs) because they're just kind of this nameless faceless middle management thing like who's the guy that died like who's the one that shot him was like maybe that was purposeful it's like you don't know this person but i'm gonna make him look exactly like everyone else to make you think think you should have known who he was i think that was i think that was like a purposeful casting choice to just make all these people exactly look the same because they're just i feel better now they're nameless faceless characters essentially i can Um, take comfort in that no for sure and (laughs) i thought i missed something you know i the one specific casting and acting choice that i want to kind of point out is amanda seafried as the marion davies character I feel like if you're looking for that 30s, 40s, 50s, the the kind of very attractive actress who just kind of lights up a screen, I think she was the perfect casting choice. In she that. transformed into that character. Oh, no, for sure. It was very like, To the point like, where I didn't know it was her. It kind of looked like Marilyn Monroe in a lot of places Slightly. to me. And, you know, I thought that was a great choice. And I thought she was 
excellent in this. Well, what I thought was also interesting too is, and, and I, and I, her name is blanking on me. Uh, his second wife, Kane's second wife. Citizen Kane's second wife. Yeah. Oh, in the movie, I don't know, but based on the Marion. But theory, obviously, yeah. based on her and like shit, like you just knew right away. Yeah. Whether, whether, not even, honestly, I thought of that before I even, like, realized, I'm like, oh, right, like, I forgot that Citizen Kane was based off of Hearst, or that it was written based off of Hearst, so, like, even before I, like, made that realization, I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, no, that definitely is, so, I I mean, that's also, I mean that just to say kudos to her, she put in a phenomenal fucking performance. No, I agree, I mean, she didn't, to be fair, she didn't have a lot to do, um, I don't think... But but what she did and <laughs> she did it perfectly. Yeah, I was gonna say that. I I, I definitely think she did it very well. But I think she um, it, her screen time was limited, For so sure. she she had to work with what she had, and she did a great job. I, but it, absolutely, uh, what you guys are saying is spot on. She looks like that, you know, forties, thirties movie star. Uh, movie star. Yep, exactly. And I, I love that scene where she's just like, you know, when, when they're leaving, she's like, you need to go back and tell him. And, uh, and she's like, I, I already made my exit. Well, no, no. I'm, I'm like, you're going to find this silly. Like what? I'm like, I already made my exit. And it's just like, cause yeah, <laughs> I was just like, yeah, sure. all right. You uh, know what? I get that. <laughs> yeah, another good scene for her was when, um, and it actually, she didn't say anything, but it was when, uh, he was giving that drunken, drunken speech you know, and she was just sitting there with like the looks and the eye rolls and everything. The, the it, facial expressions yeah, were perfect. Exactly. That. Yeah. So that, so before we move on to this next segment, the, the last thing that I wanted to end with was, uh, did you guys, and, and I don't want to give too much away here in terms of like spoilers, because obviously not a lot of people will have seen it yet, but did you have a particular scene that stood out as your favorite I don't know because all I can think about is how much I was interested in him just laying in bed. So it wasn't any particular scene. It was just like whenever he was just laying in bed and just delivering whatever lines he was giving, I was I was there for it. I don't know. I almost preferred those to the flashbacks. I did really like the dynamic between him, him and, and his, his assistant, his yeah. nurse. I thought they had a, a really great chemistry um in terms of acting together and i think that those scenes were very good in that way joey did you have a scene that stood out to you at all i guess a scene that stood out to me would probably be when he was they were walking with the i think he's the head of mgm Um, yeah and he you know was just kind of giving that monologue and then he went right into the um no did I don't telling. get emotional and, but also, yeah, but then went right into a speech, uh, telling everybody that they were going to be rolling back salaries and, you know, fielding questions about that. And then he got off and he was like, how'd I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, also, like, it's all just a performance. Exactly. And... It was all a performance. That was pretty, that was pretty interesting. I thought that was probably the most memorable scene. And I just liked the way it was shot. I thought it was kind of cool. Like they were just kind of like walking towards the camera the whole way. And yeah. Slowly like, pacing yeah. backwards. Yeah. Yep. I, I agree. That was the scene that I was going to pick out. And I think, you know, when he when he's talking about how he feels his emotion in his head and in his heart and then he grabs his balls and in yeah. here, um, <laughs> I feel like that's just 40s 
movie executive. That's exactly some shit that they would do. And I, I thought it, I, I thought it was a really good scene. I, I agree with you. That that was probably my favorite. Yeah. So this might be annoying, but I'm gonna I'm gonna also now pick out actually what I do think. And I had to think about it though because I didn't want to just go by recency bias. But the scene where he is literally pitching the movie to Hearst <laughs> about himself. Yep. And yeah, the drunk dinner scene. I like that so much simply just because of him just going like B for B, like the whole what he wants to do with the character of Herman Cain. Or was it not Herman Cain? I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just, sorry, a former uh, presidential uh, and recent COVID victim. Um, Yeah, right. (laughs) I forget what his name is in the movie for some reason now. Um, But basically, Cain. Right, but like, just no, the character of Kane yeah. though in the movie, and just like saying like, and he goes through and he loses the election, and you get sympathy for the character, like just going through just exactly why he is going to do each part of Citizen Kane, and what he's going to try and get from the audience out of it. I really enjoyed that, but also the fireplace when he's standing in front of the fireplace, and I just remember watching Citizen Kane and being like, that's a big fuck off fire fireplace that he has right there. He's standing in front of, and I was like, and then when I saw, uh, you know, Mako was just standing in front of that fireplace, I'm like, oh, okay, this is, I see why he went with that, or if that literally was the size of Hearst's fireplace, which it might have been. No, no. Fuck I if think, I know. And I, I think it was very, very funny when he attempted to light a cigarette by dipping his face into the fire i thought more of just the vomiting on the ground <laughs> in front of, of I mean, dinner party yeah because while while it's everything wonderful. he's saying is true and it's you know very smart hurts for everyone it, it yeah he, he's a complete mess of a human and it's made very very fucking clear right right uh so and this will be our last little segment here but you know initial reactions Obviously. Oh wait, can I just ask one more question oh, just before we go to to this next part? And it just kind of relates back to having seen Citizen Kane and or really just having the context before seeing the film. Do you think and and, and it also goes back to the whole rewatching part of it. Do you think it's like you got one shot? It's one chance, that kind of thing, where it's like in order to appreciate the film, you need to, like the first the first viewing. You had to have known the context, because even going back and rewatching it just might not be the same. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, I do, I do, and I don't. I don't necessarily think so. Uh, you know, I told the story about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when when right. my brother's girlfriend watched it again with that context. She enjoyed it a lot more, and she got it and got a lot of the choices that were being made and it wasn't as like weird or foreign to her um so i think that this has the ability to go through a similar transformation for a viewer if they do understand that context i'm not sure but do you think there are those films though like i almost feel like in terms of sure you may see it and understand it more but you know, would you have appreciated even that much more having gone right into it, just having that sort of seamless transition right into it? Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I can't. I can't say for certain, obviously, but, you know, a lot of films undergo these transformations in opinion. I mean, Citizen Kane was one of them when it first came out. Right. It really wasn't that appreciated. And then 15 years later in like 1956, all of a sudden it was widely considered the greatest American film of all time. So not not saying that Mank is going to do that, but like right. you know, opinions change about movies all the time. So it, 
time and time is important. Um, but you know, this is our initial reaction. And I enjoyed, I, I enjoyed it at first. Uh, so the last little bit is I just want to talk about initial reactions. Where does it fall in your Fincher catalog? Where, where would you have it ranked? Where would it be for you? Joey, where is it at for you? So I've only seen nine Fincher films at this point. What haven't you seen? I haven't seen The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. So That's fine. I think That's, uh, we'll just, we're going <laughs> to, you know what we'll do for you? Movie. We'll, right. we'll market a 10 for you already. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> um, so I think I would go or is that seven, alien three, seven here. What's, what's above it? What's below it? Uh, below it, alien three, <laughs> um, the game. What am I missing? Um so definitely social network seven, uh Zodiac, Fight Club, wow, uh Gone Girl, Panic Room are above it. And then Mank and then Alien Three Below. Yeah, I think that's it. All right. Yeah. That works. Beam, where's where's it fall for you? So this is tough because yeah, I know it's initial. I could see this one aging well for me, oddly. I'm literally just kind of talking, thinking out loud at this stage because I don't know. Because <clears throat> I, as I mentioned before, and I think we even talked about it obviously with the other one, Seven and Fight Club have that nostalgia feel. This yeah, really they're very important movies to us personally. They're raw. Yeah. They're super gritty. So it's almost I'm almost thinking like, where does Mank ring for me in there? And I think right now, gut feeling in terms of initial reaction, because I, it takes a lot to unseat those for me in my rankings. For sure. I think it would be at number four. So, wow. No, doesn't like it. Uh, no, I just hate that you definitely ranked it higher than Social Network. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, I think for me, it's not a top five Fincher film. I think for me, it's right outside. I'd say it's right below gone girl right above the game slotting in at my personal number six i think um you know i I really enjoyed it but gone girl seven fight club social network zodiac they all have this propulsive feel to them that they're so incredibly engaging and you know i i completely agree with joey that this is a slow burn and it doesn't have that propulsive tense feel to it and I think that's fine. I don't think that's necessarily appropriate for the story he was trying to tell here, but it's just for me it wasn't it wasn't the same kind of viewing experience as those. I do respect it for its craft. I do like the story. I do like a lot of the parallels that it drew. I think it was very good, but not top 5 material for me. I think what I enjoyed about it so much much as a Fincher film is because he did something different. That's something like sort of out of his... No, not out of... I was about to say out of his depth, which obviously that's what I would say. Everything's out of his depth. No, no, no. And also what I would be saying is completely in contradiction to that. So I'm just... I was going to be misspeaking there. But um, it's... I mean, it's definitely just an outlier in terms of what he's made. But he still did it in his own way. For sure, it's still... So that's where I thought, like, I thought that was, you know, in terms of when we always talk about these, like, phenomenal achievements, I thought it was done well in that way. And I just, and I really loved 
the characters, you know, obviously, you know, these are non-fictional people. These are these are real people, but I I just thought they were so well played in this and and I really did like the dialogue too where I just thought, yeah, it, it all came together for me in that. And I think that's kind of awesome for 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 a movie like that from him. And 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 again, like with that slow burn, I was I was there for it. I was interested to see what what was next in each each time. For sure, and I think as a you know testament to his father who wrote the film, I think it's really great. I think good for him. He he got this movie made, and it's very well done, um, very well acted, and you know, good for him. I'm happy. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad we're happy. Yep. Well, I don't know. Joe's like, he's, he's I'm content happy for him. That's fine. for him. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in for this little mini episode about Mank. Um, if you haven't had a chance, it's on Netflix right now. Go have a watch and then let us know what you think. Uh, and just tell me us. how wrong I'm about the social network and how I just ranked this above it. And uh, follow us on Instagram at back porch media twitter at porchback media and all those things um yeah that's about it anything else you guys nope uh thanks for having me guys yeah for sure man thanks for watching with us and thanks for uh giving us your insights yeah had a great time i just need more beer i need another beer too so we're out of here see ya